Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And from the faraway, self-isolated cloister, Dom. (laughs) Unlike Tori. In faraway, self-isolated cloisters right now. (laughs) No, I'm right here. Copy me if you want to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it feels very strange to be even here in spirit over Discord with you, too, to do um, a episode of this podcast that we used to do together. <laughs> wow. Used to do. I see how it is, Amato. One pandemic <laughs> and you just drop us. Yeah, we, we've been out it, for like three episodes and all of a sudden used to do. <laughs> it's been a little while. And I feel like an episode <laughs> with all of us came out somewhat recently. But it had been quite a bit longer since we actually recorded it. Right. Yeah. But, you know, we're still here. And I I think that probably, I mean, it's possible by the time this episode comes out, everyone will be like, quarantine? <laughs> we don't even remember that anymore. <laughs> How <But>, quaint. <laughs> yeah, oh, what a silly time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here at the end of April 2020, like... The vaccine's almost done. It's going to be distributed very efficiently throughout our entire country. I mean, that's where we're at, right? Amada, I'd like your real-world fanfiction going on right now. <laughs> Man, I wonder how much coronavirus fanfiction is out Wait, it can't be fanfiction. No, there's a lot of coronavirus fanfiction, but it's mostly about characters isolating themselves. <laughs> I'm I'm totally serious that, like, that there is coronavirus themed fanfiction all over the place right now. Yeah, I know. It makes sense. It's on people's minds. I actually think, you know, something I've been wanting to bring up is I do think this is a really kind of prolific time for podcasts. It's like all the only way people are connecting is by listening to podcasts and a lot of people are making more just by themselves because they're trying to reach out to anyone and, and anything. And I really think it speaks to the nature of what a, a podcast does, is it's reaching out to the entire community and saying, I'm here, and I need your attention. <laughs> or, you know, you're, you're some, it's a social thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things may have changed and people may have lost a lot, but there's still the three of us talking about old fan fiction that people no longer care about in depth. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's never going to change. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, in this case, it might be an old fanfic that some people care about. We are coming back and finally finishing up Paradigm of Uncertainty that we, you know, read the first half of a long time ago and we're like, yeah, and we'll read the second half any, like, next week or something. Um, yeah. And then Pandemic. Yeah, well, that's okay. we read the first half in a, in a much more certain time, and now it is certainly uncertain. It actually got to the point where I forgot that we never recorded the second half of this. <laughs> We're just well, out of about the three so of much. us, you, yeah. you read the second half quickly. Like, you, yeah. you just read the whole thing back then. Yeah, well, because I was on a roll, right? Like, after you get into this, you're kind of into it. This is a fan fiction that kind of moves you through really quickly, and it's very mm-hmm. action-packed. So I just needed to know what was going to happen. Right. So the question is, do you remember what happened? Uh, yeah, kind of. Mostly. I think you guys might have to help me a little bit, because you both read it a little more recently than I did. 
Yeah, I read it earlier today. <laughs> yeah, I finished it earlier today. Yeah. yeah, because I've been very delinquent on my fanfic reading. Mm-mm. I just wanted to make sure it was happening before I actually read it. <laughs> wow, that is fair. A compliment to the author. Just kidding. Uh, well, I mean, I was kind of interested. I've got to say, before we go into the details, at the end of last time, we had some kind of predictions and stuff we would like to see. I think everything that we said mm-hmm. we might like to see from this story actually did happen. In some way. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it might not have happened the way we wanted it to, but, like, I think all the points, like, we'll, we'll get to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is Paradigm of Uncertainty. It was written by Lori, who I think now goes by Mad Lori Online. I believe she's at Mad Lori on Twitter, and I'll be adding her when we uh, release this second episode of it again. But yeah, she's still online, maybe still writing fanfiction, I don't know. And this story was written back in the bygone days of just after, just before, and then just after book four came out of the Harry Potter series. Yeah. Which we discussed at length last time. In the beginning of the story, there was a lot of pre-book four stuff, and towards the end of the story, there's more incorporating lore bits from book four in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think we discussed before the author didn't want to let like book four reading book four influence them too much, but they couldn't <laughs> help it. Yeah, no. it did somewhat. It's fine. And when we had left off, anyone want to summarize the fanfic in the first half? I guess it's you or me, Dom, because we kind of know the the halves that we're talking about here. Previously on Paradigm of Uncertainty, um, uh, there was a lot of. Young adult rom-com drama, I think. <laughs> Which then culminated in a yes, they will on the will they, won't they of Hermione and Harry. And they did. Right. I think we stopped at, what was it, chapter eight or so? Yeah. Was that when they, Which is, they did it? Which they was did. Right, right before they did, I think. Uh, or during. No, they did. The chapter eight is when they did. There's a whole and chapter I, that's basically about them doing it. <laughs> that's what I remember. That's chapter eight, and it includes their housemates kind of, like, listening in on them, and then at one point spying, like, uh, optically on them, like, visually. Like, they go and confirm, like, watch, look at them snuggling, and they're like, we're terrible people. And I'm like, yeah, you are. What, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's... You're terrible people, and you're not even the designated terrible person, which is Cho. <laughs> I honestly feel like, though, those, the roommate characters are sort of, like in some way the fans you know like their perspective is they get to like look at it and be like yeah we've been so invested in this well because we have been shipping of... the people in our life yes exactly yeah. yeah but like if you view it from a fiction perspective where you're a fan it seems a little less weird that it's, it's <laughs> you know they're not like full characters they're more like you know what I mean I guess does that make them like the Greek chorus hmm yeah, I think that's a reasonable way to discuss those three. We're talking here about Justin, Laura, and uh, George. Right. And other than that, another plot had been going on where there's a dark wizard conspiracy to abuse the power of the changeover from the book of the same name, mm-hmm. which they got from a family of Australian wizards. And, uh, and sorry, one of those... Australian wizards is undercover double agenting, um, like pretending to be a dark wizard. 
and they're led by this woman named what's her name Allegra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Allegra, who is a former uh, good spy turned bad, and it their understanding at the moment is that she plans to unchange over Harry to undo all the magic he has ever done, which would be bad because he's done a lot of good magic because he's a good guy. Right. Yeah, I think it's a lot of about... a changeover because it's supposed to either change someone into a wizard or change them from a wizard to a muggle. Yeah, and they're concerned because Harry Potter specifically has done a lot of Voldemort-centric spells over a lifetime. Right, like destroying him once or twice. Yeah. Twice, I guess. So they're concerned about that being um, overturned. And the other major concern is that they know who Harry is. He's Harry Potter, and they know Mm -hmm. who he loves, which is his housemates, some more so than others, and that kind of thing. So everyone in his life is vulnerable. And of course, the best prospect for a super secret spy is the most famous person in the wizard world. (laughs) Yeah, it's like if James Bond was also Michael Jordan or something. Though to be fair, (laughs) they can you know, change their appearances through glamours and polyjuice and stuff, but... Yeah, yeah, but it just doesn't seem to be that secret that Harry Potter is an anti-dark wizard, you know, person, right? Yeah, but not even Hermione knew about it, so it's sort of like, I don't know, there must have been some way of keeping it secret. It's magic world, right? Sure, okay. I'm willing to buy into that 007 conceit. (laughs) Right. They need to see him transform into his anti-dark wizard form, like in person before they can realize that, you know, that guy with the scar and the other guy with the scar are the same person. Mm-hmm. No, wait, that was the same guy? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I think well, he hides no, the scar, but, you know. But I, I think if we're talking about genre, this is a partly a spy thriller, and a lot of that is, like, 007, where 007 is, like, the worst spy. He's all yeah. dressed up and talking to people and calling attention to himself. The best spy would put on a disguise to look like a fat old person doing something gross that you wouldn't want to look at. Right. <laughs> Just like, like walk through the crowd. I was about to say that too, as I'm like, James Bond enters a room and everyone pays attention to him. Yeah, that's terrible spy. Terrible spy, right? <laughs> but, yeah. you know, he's supposed to be suave and handsome and attention getting too. He's idealized man as well as being a spy. Which is yeah, also it, Harry's role in this fic. Exactly. Yeah, it's absolutely a genre thing. You're right. I just want to make fun of him for it. And I've got to say, the one thing I can give props to for Harry is that it seems like he spends a lot of time in his job being invisible, which makes total sense. And like, mm-hmm. I've, because oh, he has that invisibility cloak. And, you know, as a former D&D DM, like, I know that <laughs> if the players have a ring of invisibility, one character is going to be invisible for the rest of the campaign. Like, there's never going to be a time <laughs> yeah. in which someone is not invisible. You have to write everything with the knowledge that there might be an invisible person in the room somewhere. <laughs> uh, that one of the PCs is going to be invisible. Like, except for right. that brief moment after they make an attack where they need to, like, take off the ring and put it on again or whatever. It's like... I'm guessing the PCs... a lot of pressure-sensitive traps. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like... that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where we left the story, um, the spy plot was getting uh, huge and dramatic, and Harry was like, I'm going to go by myself because uh, I want to keep you safe. And, I, and not me, but I, I go by, you stay. But 
<laughs> and then and this Hermione's leads like, up oh, in no, them being like, go. no, but no. I love you, and I love you, and let's have sex instead of just being yeah. good friends. And the next chapter then, is like largely kind of fallout from that. Where for one thing, <laughs> they wake up in the morning and their housemates tease the heck out of them, which is fair. Yeah. Um, and they can't can't fault anybody for that. No. <laughs> no. I mean, for one thing, you know, as they point out, like you two were very loud. Like that was not secret. <laughs> and for another thing, it's like, yeah, everybody knew you were going to get together, whatever. Um, yeah, and you know, I buy they have the sort of the relationship where that's like, okay, you know. The the most amusing thing in chapter nine is kind of in the middle where they have this really brief relationship conflict where it's like they're both uh, I don't even remember it's something dumb it's like oh we don't want to announce our relationship because some dumb reasons and George slash the author calls in Ginny Weasley for a single scene in this fanfic and half of that scene is just kind of them pointing out like hey Ginny's awesome. And it was the um, other... Ron drama. They, they were afraid that being together would uh, desecrate the memory of Ron or something. Oh, right. That's that's what it was. Wait, really? And so, Gin- yeah. Really? But, but, but it's all shaken out in a scene where, like, Ginny comes in, and she's, like, a sophisticated woman who, like, runs a cool periodical. And also she comes and in, Harry's she's like, okay. Oh, also Harry's ex, but who cares? Whatever. And <laughs> she doesn't care. And she's like, okay, talk to each other. Talk to each other. Now kiss, I'm out. And that totally solves <laughs> this uh, this little emerging drama. Right. Um, but then Harry still does the thing where he just like disappears and leaves a letter. And he's like, I can't expose you to danger. I got to do this alone. Well, it, it's a really shitty thing. Because like, they, they get together and like they, they talk about the relationship. And like, okay, and now that we're together, you're not going to go out by yourself. That's right. You're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Nope. Because that would be disrespectful. That's right. You're not right. going to do it. Nope. And he goes. <laughs> yeah, but right. if like, I recall correctly, I think she sort of predicted that in a way. Yeah, oh, yeah. She, she traces that that Hermione that, that Hermione stuck a tracking bug on yeah. him. Because he knew he was going to bug out. Yeah. Like, she, yeah. I think she is just like basically like hey i gotta basically remind you that you uh shouldn't go off on your own but she knows him well enough like and it's okay in a relationship if people are distrustful as long as both sides are distrustful right Hmm. you know that's how relationships work if it's in the boundaries of the relationship and they both talk about it then i guess that's fine right (laughs) uh i mean what's weird about this is it's almost uh, and it was almost kind of I want to say intimate but that's not really the right word it's the fact that she knows him well enough to give him the respect to try to convince him to stay but understands that he won't do that and I don't know if that's could necessarily be read as mistrust so much as it's like she knows he's going to do this to protect her and then he's going to lie about it to protect you know what I, I guess. Mean? I guess on yeah. his part, it's not mistrust; it's just deceit. But uh, whatever. Right, um, and, but he's doing it to protect her, so it, it feels a little bit different than like you know the implications of deceit in a, a nominal sense. Yeah, yeah, and it's true. It's just weird because it's like it turns out he didn't abuse her trust because she didn't trust him, but that doesn't mean he didn't try to abuse it. 
Yeah, that's fair. Am I reading, reading that right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is a trope that if you choose to like lie to someone in order to protect them, it somehow becomes noble. And, you know, I, I think there are ways in which that can be true. And this one is like literally concerning your physical safety. So I'm like, okay, I, I believe it more. But it, it is an interesting moral conundrum, and, and especially in a relationship. Mm-hmm. The only other yeah, thing this chapter. This is more understandable when the context is I'm a professional in this very dangerous world and you're not, so you shouldn't be involved in this. Yeah. I mean, I think it was just yeah. like, I'm the man and you're the woman and I need to protect you. It would have been a lot worse, but it, there is an element right. of that there. There is part of that there. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's underlying for sure. Noir misogyny is definitely in it. Yeah. I do like in this chapter, there's a moment, I mean, at the end, it's like, all the housemates get to pitch in, including Cho, to, like, help track down Cherry, 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 Harry. Track down Harry. <laughs> Cherry is the fusion of Cho and Harry, excuse me. Um, is is that the ship Potter. name? That has to be the ship name, right? Yeah, it's gotta be. The ship name <laughs> slash fusion name. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't there more, uh, more fusion in Harry Potter? It could definitely use it. I think most works can. <laughs> I mean, it was already cool in Dragon Ball, but then, you know, Steven Universe kind of showing off more what you can do with it for character work. Yeah. Just kind of want more of it. Um, right. Anyway, what was I saying? They all get to pitch in to help, like, track down Harry. They just kind of need to attune the homing spell to the thing that Hermione planted on it, whatever. And after that, for the next four chapters the spy shenanigans kick into high gear. And I kind of like, I mean, like, before I felt like it was kind of like Hermione and Harry relationship and like a spy plot element each chapter, right? That's kind Mm -hmm. of how it felt to me. And now it's just kind of like spy stuff, super spy stuff, super spy stuff. Like we got triple agents going on in this plot. One, two... Yeah, <laughs> triple at least. Okay, we have, we have one triple agent, several double agents. Um, <laughs> it, it's entertaining. Basically, like, Harry does a little bit of reconnaissance. He's, like, spying in on some of Allegra's goons and that kind of thing until he finds out, like, where they're going to do a ritual. Whatever. It works okay. Um, mm-hmm. And then Hermione gets into a, a buddy movie type thing, but not with Harry. With a person, actual name Cash Dollar. <laughs> yeah, what's her actual name? Because Cash Dollar is so much the cooler name. Yeah, that has to be a fake name, name, right? Cash Dollar, and her first name is Quindolin. Quinn, right? right? She goes by Quinn. Yeah. Um, and this Quindolin. is the this is the American dark like uh, uh, nationality wise, right? Um, new mm-hmm. dark arts instructor at Hogwarts, and. You know, she was name-dropped early on, like you saw her briefly at a party, but here she kind of, like, she finds Hermione when Hermione's trying to track down Harry and kind of interrupts her so she can't, like, blow Harry's, you know, invisibility or whatever, but then they, they kind of team up and follow some clues and, you know, do a bunch of stuff together. And things about Quinn. I like her last name because it's a great James Bond reference, and it also sounds like a Harry Potter <laughs> kind of name. Like, yeah. just kind of a little bit off. Um, I mean, cash dollar, I guess it's not that Harry Pottery, but it's like acceptably Harry Pottery, right? 
There's something well, about- it's money penny. <laughs> right, yeah, it's money penny. It's money penny. Yeah. And, but there's something about the cash part of it that I think sounds like one of those weird British wizard names. <laughs> <laughs> and I also like through her we get a bunch of like tiny little info drips about the wizarding world outside of Britain. And I feel like this fanfic does a pretty good job of making it seem like there is a wizarding world outside of Britain that like exists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I derail for a second? Yeah, go for it. So, I looked it up on a fanlore.org wiki, and yeah, Cherry is, of course, the official uh, ship name for that. Okay. So, I've just been been browsing um, ship names, slash names, many down to poly names. Okay. And Mm. one one poly, this is three people, is named Mm -hmm. Lunar Harmony. Can, Can you guess all three people in that? It's Luna Lovegood. Mm-hmm. Or it's Remus. No, it's Luna. Okay. Oh, Harry Wait. and Hermione. Exactly. Lunar Luna Harmony. Harmony. Wow. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, okay. That's a good right? ship but, and a good ship name. Well, actually, I don't know. I'm still not a hole in the Harry and Hermione thing, but maybe that's just the, <laughs> the sour taste of the relationship with this fic left for me. No, that okay, that's not bad. obvious. Yeah. Yeah, the I, I obvious... promise the last time I'm going to bust in with that, but I, I will be browsing them while other people are talking. <laughs> well, tell All me right. while you're at it. The poly ship of, of Ron Harry Hermione's the like, oh, yeah. the gimme, and what's the ship name for it? Golden Trio. Huh. Eh? Okay. It's not as clever, sure. but that is the <laughs> best the way, possible ship. Right? Uh, by the way, Harry Draco Snape is drapery. Mm. Uh... Or Sinarco. No. <laughs> I'm not sure what work you would have to do to make Snape and any of the students an okay ship. I'm sure some people have done that yeah. work. There's literally nothing you can do to make that an okay ship. He's their teacher <laughs> from the age of, a, like, 11. Like, I don't care how much older they are, that's still weird. Yeah, of course, one of the best ship names is still Remus Cirrus, which is Wolfstar. Mm-hmm. That's great. Love it. In a James series is Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Right? Oh my god. Uh, so wait, what's the poly ship name of the Marauders? The Marauders. That would be... All four of them? I mean, I guess Remus you leave out Pettigrew, because who wants to read about Pettigrew, I guess. No. Yeah, I was gonna say. like That's why I said all four of them. Well, obviously, Amato, that's Wolf Starbucks. Wolf Starbucks. Oh, yeah, no, that... Okay. Oh yeah. my god. That reminds <laughs> me of a, a Zay Frank skit where he's he goes to Starbucks or uh, when he was did the show he goes to Starbucks and there's a door that says like not an exit do not open at night or something like that and he says, What does that mean? There's werewolves in there. <laughs> so I, I want, like yeah. It appeals to my sensibilities. Oh. Alright. Uh and, and Teddy Lupin and James Potter are Jetem. Wait, wait, I'm missing something. Yeah. Uh, Teddy Lupin, James Potter II. Oh, it's just a sound thing. I thought it was, like, supposed to be some, like, something about the meaning. No. Or something. Yeah, it's just James and, yeah, Jetem. Okay. Not gonna lie, I don't know who Teddy Lupin is, but... I'm just looking at the ship names right now. I don't know. (laughs) All right, let's move on to this fanfic. Right. right fan okay, fiction. Yes. Should we do that? The I don't fan know. fiction. I'm having more fun with this, but uh, I think the fanfic gets fairly fun with all the spy shenanigans. 
so for, for one, one thing one last one i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh theodore luna theodore's name is theodore not and luna is luna lovegood and the ship name is not good <laughs> okay <laughs> that yes. means it's not a good ship well it's n-o-t-t good as in their last yeah. name not i get and that, that's it i'm done yeah. i'm done i'm closing the tab yeah. Okay, I'm not closing it. Say I'm bye just bye to the ship names, Dom. <laughs> bye bye ship names. But portmanteaus okay. are so fun. I know you can you can bring them back later. Okay, just mm, okay. I'm sorry. We need to take a break because you're getting too excited. <laughs> <sighs> okay, deep breath. <laughs> too many ship names. <laughs> okay, too many ships. It's okay if, if so. you're having a lot of feelings. Um, let me know when you're ready to talk about them. Okay. Sorry, that's kids kid talk. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. So the spy So one thriller. of the twists that we get in around this area is that um Hermione's boring boyfriend Gerald was a fake. Hmm. The real Gerald died a year ago, and that's hella creepy. Yeah, it's yeah. horrifying. Uh I, it's it's like oh my god, right. It's messed up. Well, because it's really entire- messed up. The entire time that Hermione and Gerald has been going out was after real Gerald's day of death. Right. Right. And, and so she, she discovers this. And I think what I, one of the points I really like about this fic is that it's, it has to move forward with the action, but mm-hmm. they don't disrespect in like the same way another action medium might have. Hermione's feeling about that. Like, she goes through a mental process. She's absolutely horrified because, you know, this is sexual assault. It's like someone disguised as someone else has developed yeah. an entire relationship with her. It's abuse and it's betrayal yeah. and all these levels. She does process it a little bit, but then she says, no, I, I need to go on with, you know, these things that need to happen. But the author does a good job of highlighting just how horrifying it is for her. Yeah, it's some Uther Pendragon shit, and it's not okay. And the author's no. well aware of that, and all the characters are well aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Except Harry, kind of. But, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, the thing is, it is a plot device, but it's not, it's not dismissed. And I appreciate that. Um, but then, to heighten the stakes, we also learn, like, just pretty soon in, end of chapter 11, we see a scene with Gerald and Quinn, and they have a discussion, and Gerald is working with Allegra, seems like Quinn is too, and she's like a double agent pretending to be on Hermione's side, but actually like leading her places specifically for, you know, their own reasons. And so you spend the rest well, also like, in that conversation, they the talk about what to tell Allegra and what not to tell Allegra. Yes, they do. So it's true, it's not it's not clear what their end game is. But it's very ominous. This implication that they're a hostile third faction, kind of. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, at this point, there's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, I don't recall it, what they all are. And yeah, well, it takes some time for them to all kind of come together. There's all of these plot twists. Like, for example, the fact that the mental attacks that Harry had experienced before seem to have actually been someone trying to mentally communicate with him and, like, his own mental defenses kind of shutting it out. But they sort of mm-hmm. pull out the information, and it's like a cool spell. Um, they, they Quinn and Hermione track down Harry again. I, I kind of skipped that part. Like you know, they have a, a tracer on him. They get back to him. It's fine. Well, Quinn and Hermione track down 
Harry by following anonymous note that was sent to Hermione about a place to check out, which is also how Hermione found out that Gerald was a fake person. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I'm, I'm already forgetting some of these, like, exactly how these things connect. <laughs> I just read it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, you got the important parts. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, a lot of moving pieces, and it's easy to get bogged down in those, but, like, really it's just, just a lot of intrigue that's building around what these mysteries are. Right. Long story short, Hermione and Quinn and uh, Harry meet up. Yeah. And there's... I feel like the author has to spend a little time being like, why are we not turning to get backup from the organization of anti-dark wizard spies that you are a big person in? And, like, she has to find some reasons, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, every time they came up with a reason where it's like, oh, well, they're surely tracking that and they'd notice that and call attention to that, I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. It's We just need our protagonists. I get it. I mean... It doesn't- well, I think what we forgot was in the first half, there was uh, several assassination attempts, like one of them on people in the um, spy agency that are close to Harry. So it's the implication that they have moles inside or they know how to get information from there and, and access to it. Yeah, I mean, it's true. So it's the spy conceit of we don't know who to trust. We, you can only trust yourself. Yeah, it's fair. I don't know why I said it like that, but... <laughs> Um, but being alone and talking is weird. I just have the Legolas poster staring at me. Oh gosh, and always judging, huh? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Looking at something far away, maybe? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, being like, I'm a hottie. You know. <laughs> That's what the underlined note with the arrow says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Hermione, Quinn, and I was going to say James, Harry Potter... <laughs> Uh, track the changeover to Philadelphia. Yeah, and there's some cool history here where it's like, oh yeah, the colonial wizards, there was like this, you know, political schism basically about the use of magic and they, again, they don't go into like too much detail, but it's enough detail to make it feel mm-hmm. like there's a world out there to explore, and I, I enjoy yeah. that again. They, they talked about how the colonial wizards were doing some shit. <laughs> some shit that they couldn't get away with in the in the motherland. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. Um, yeah, and like they fail to retrieve some tablets before Allegra does, and um, then they split up just for like they're like, oh, okay, let's go split up for fifteen minutes and meet back up here, and like that's obviously like uh, that's when Allegra swoops they're in, exploring a, a catacombs underground where they know the evil base lair is, and they're like, let's split up, and <laughs> yeah, and also the the tablets have just been stolen from out of, from under their noses, like they know. Their enemies have been active there, like, just now, right? Well, it got stolen under the nose when they were back in England. Oh, okay, that's right. So, But, okay, they still know that, like, evil people should be around. It's ill-advised. It doesn't end well. Um, Harry gets captured. Hermione and Quinn get to, like, wander around and do some more, like, cool teamwork stuff for a while. And mm-hmm. um, there's an extended... Allegra does some... Uh does some before I kill you, Mr. Bond. I was going to say, she has a lot of before I kill you, Mr. Bond. And the thing is, Harry is just too James Bond. Like, he's a cool, quippy guy. And she's, like, a cool, quippy Mm -hmm. villain. And, like, I I can't take as much of the two of them together as this fanfic gave me. It's just, like... Mm -hmm. Personally, I kind of like spy movies once in a while, so I I enjoyed it. They did it in a fun way 
not with Harry. Harry was fine with um, Allegra, where they justified the quippy because when you have a crazy bad guy mm-hmm. and they're quippy, that's like weird. But they uh, built Allegra up in a way where they let you know that Allegra was like mentally unhinged in a way where they just did things because they wanted to in like a, a psychopathic sort of way, where like they would kill someone if it suits their purpose or they wouldn't if they, they didn't think it was fu- funny at the moment yeah it's like sadism yeah, is, a, well, is a part of her motivation like explicitly yeah. right yeah yeah the weird they, thing they, i felt like this strangeness in the relationship because you know like she and harry used to date and harry is still has strong feelings but they're of like total animosity and hate and she teases him about it basically it's like you want to kill me don't you and he's like yeah because you suck and it's just, <laughs> uh, yeah you, you killed a lot of people yeah <laughs> yeah and then she's like but i was your first love and he's like i never loved you and, and that part just gets bogged down for me because i'm like harry's piece doesn't feel right like allegra i think is more compelling harry is just yeah. like you know righteous and um also like sort of vengeful mm-hmm. but it, it I don't know. It felt like there wasn't a lot of personality coming off him in this. And, and also, that's it was fine great... if he's supposed to be cool spy guy, but it, it, I don't know. I didn't need as much from him as they gave me. It was also another instance in the story where it seemed very genre self-aware, where the characters were talking mm. about what a bad guy would say in this moment, what you're supposed to say. Mm. Yeah, did and they feel like... Yeah, they do a lot of that lampshading of tropes. Yeah, did, yeah but... did that feel like... I don't. Did y'all like that, or did that feel like I don't know, kind of uh, a little too kishy or campy, kind of? Well, the thing is, if you draw attention to the trope, you either have to like follow it exactly great, or you have to like completely subvert it somehow. And they kind of just right. talked about it. Yeah, like that, that's really like. There's so many compelling things about this fic. That's kind of where it fell flat to me as it was like the author saying, I'm going to use this trope and I'm going to make you know that I'm aware that I'm using it. And mm-hmm. it made the characters actually feel a little more forced to me as if they were like, we're acting in tropes and we know it and we feel it necessary to identify it to the other person. It felt like, you know, also that not just forced, but also that they were like, weirdly self-aware but not willing to change i wonder if this is a harsh light of 2020 thing because we're looking at it in a post um uh deadpool post red spice commercial what's that <laughs> old spice. yeah old, i'm thinking i guess the thing is right yeah pass a uh, post old spice commercial world where once one person did like um called attention to the trope and used it successfully, then everybody tried to copy it in the same way without the same content or, uh, yeah. you know, paying attention to it. So we got kind of oversaturated and kind of dull to the concept. Maybe. Where, like, nowadays, if you call attention to the trope, you better do something well-written or amazing after it in order to justify that. I'll think on that because you I might be say- right, but I also feel like a consistent calling attention to the trope kind of ignores the point of the literary device to begin with. It's like, mm-hmm. if you look in and analyze literature and that's what you like to do, the point is that you know that's what's happening. No one needs to call attention to it. And if the characters do, it sort of breaks the fourth wall. Right. It didn't bother me that that happened. It's just that 
Harry and Allegra have like four conversations over the course of this fanfic, and they're all the same. And <laughs> yeah. like, mm-hmm. I and especially in this part of the fanfic, it just they it went on too long. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. need them talking to each other as much as I did. Um, I it does end in a dramatic scene though, where Allegra drags out Hermione. He's like, "Yep, we captured her," and has her brutally murdered murder in front of Harry. So that's rough. Oh yeah, and yeah. It's not Hermione, by yeah. the way. Yeah, just in case you were worried, if you're even vaguely like a fan of. Sp- like spy things you, the fact that Hermione never talks is a big big flag that, that that's not what's going on <laughs> it's, yeah it's good though because I felt like with all the like back and forth that was going on this is kind of something that needed to happen it forces Harry to a significant like mental and emotional break just as mm-hmm. Ligra intended so this is our moment of despair before the climax and right, the author right. does a great job describing that despair for Harry I think especially when Hermione reappears, it has her like real Hermione appears. He doesn't think it could possibly be her. And and that's a really well done scene. Yeah, that's a good thought that like if you kill somebody, then the next thing that an evil sorceress sadistic person would do would try to dress up as them and like mock you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. basically what happens is like uh Quinn and Hermione find their way to Harry where he's imprisoned and like mentally broken. And I actually thought it was the most poignant scene where Hermione's like, no, it's really me. It's really, really me. And he takes a while to convince. But she understands how broken he feels in this situation. So she, like, actually has some sort of, like, counselor, I don't know, even, like, childcare attitude where she's just like, this is how I should talk to him. She's, like, the author makes point of saying she spoke in the most clear and calm tone possible. Just like, this is me. I am here. I didn't die. Here's what happened. And like, give yeah. some time to process. I thought that was really like compassionate and sweet. Like, like they even started the yeah. conversation with something like, I understand you just went through something and this is going to seem weird, but we're going to have to go through this and work with this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like she, Hermione does the best possible job she could confronting that. trauma. It's definitely an affecting scene. And like, you know, after all the author built up their relationship, like, Mm-hmm. Um, it's good that they have something kind of dramatic to build it up to in right. terms of the narrative of the story. And there's a couple other little things like that end up being important, like um, Quinn and Hermione run into the dead Hermione, you know, illusioned person. Uh, it's not Polyjuice Potion because mm-hmm. that you have to be alive. And they're like, oh, it's a glamour, which no. apparently oh, yeah. in the context of this fanfic is like kind of magic that depends largely on like your mental projection or something of something and quinn gives hermione like some uh glamour wait what are they called again i just said the word glamour glasses yeah anti-glamour glamour glasses to see through glamours and that's going to be somewhat relevant later anyway the main point is that once they meet back up with harry they have a conversation and they convince Harry that Hermione's the real Hermione. Um, and then they're immediately captured again. And that's when we get various other revelations, like the one that Quinn is apparently on Allegra's side. Well, mm-hmm. we only get that after we get the revelation about Gerald. Yeah, what about Gerald? Well, it's during, but yeah. Oh, yeah, it's all kind of the same thing. It's all the same one. Anybody want to say it? Gerald is... Yeah. Draco. Yeah, Draco. 
So just like actually, go on. No, just like at the end of last time when we were saying like, oh, we hope something happens with that like Draco disappeared little plot thing that was you know dropped a long time ago. Yep, they did something with it. Yeah. I yeah I it's funny. So Hermione's reaction is another point that I find to be strong is she's absolutely horrified. You know, she has to confront this again. And it's even someone she knew and didn't like, and she's about to like kill him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I really wanted to read the point where like Draco first shows up because there's a description of adult Draco, which is just (laughs) so, it's so funny. Like, this is great. I love this fanfic. This part is, I don't even know. Like, I don't, I'm not saying I'm critical. Well, I'm a little critical of it, but it's also just fucking funny. So I'm about to find it. But y'all can keep talking. Oh, there we go. Never mind. Uh, Oh, my God. She screamed as the man unmasked. It was Draco Malfoy. He looked toughened, as if he had been out in the world for a very long time, with very little in the way of the comforts of home. He was just Harry's height but very lean, and sheathed in ropey muscle. He was wearing black jeans that hung low on his narrow hips, thick-soled engineer's boots, and a sleeveless dark purple shirt. A thick chain attached to his belt hung in an arc against his leg and disappeared into his hip pocket. Prominent veins snaked under the skin of his forearms. A black leather bandolier lay across his chest, his wand slid into a slot over his breastbone. His formerly fair skin was weathered to a leathery tan, his face was narrow and sharp-featured, with hollow cheeks and a tight, mean-looking mouth. His eyes were like chips of gray ice, their expression a world-weary thousand-yard stare. His most striking feature, however, was his hair. It had darkened from the platinum it had once been to a maplewood blonde and fell well past his shoulders, twisted into hundreds of tiny braids, each of which ended in a shiny black bead. He just stood there, waiting for the reaction, looking like nothing less than a complete... (laughs) <laughs> and description yeah uh, it, that yeah. description you can't read the story and not have that jump out at you I mean yeah. right. you start out trying to picture it but then by the time it's like it's flat out saying he looked like a total badass like it's just so over the top you have to laugh yeah, right? no yeah, that's like, not the tone the it. author has been writing in it's very strange <laughs> the author maybe had like a soft spot for draco i guess it is literally just... draco in black leather pants but <laughs> yeah yeah but also like some braids for some reason which seems cul- culturally appropriate i i don't oh, i don't know Bad draco. <laughs> braids with a bead yeah yeah well it, it seems like really like why? what malibu or something yeah and he's tanned now they spent a lot of time fixating on the the ice chips of his eyes and the hard cruel line of his mouth and I, I don't even like, know like, anymore. It sounds like a completely different looking person but I still recognize him mm-hmm. instantly somehow. Right. 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 I it's mean, weird. Those hollow cheekbones are like his movie actor. Yeah. In my mind's eye the description doesn't map onto Draco perfectly so what's end up happening is it in my mind's eye it looks like someone wearing like bad tan makeup and like a wig. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> No, yeah, I kind of just imagine, like, a completely different person, I'm not gonna lie. Like, like it's a different actor that cast or something. Yeah, totally. 
<laughs> the, the cast and the, they reveal and they duh and the audience is like who's that and then turns to the characters Draco it's Draco like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess that's Draco <laughs> I can't believe it it is Draco Malfoy who could have guessed it <laughs> look at that person who was obviously Draco and always has been <laughs> uh, but yes we do get that reveal and like oh no Draco and Quinn are on Allegra's side and like basically it's yeah. You know, Hermione and Harry are captured again because, like, there's no one on their side anymore. And the mm-hmm. reveal of that is basically that, like, Quinn starts to sloppily make out with Draco, which makes the description even more <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> the one thing he and was I'm missing. I'm sorry to pick on this because this this is a fun fanfic and it's really fun to read. The only reason I'm picking on this part is it felt totally out of sync with the rest of it. It was like. <laughs> kind of almost in that weird spy fiction sense but it was such a weird scene i can justify it in universe by saying they're playing it up for allegra oh for mm-hmm. sure yeah yeah. Because, oh, yeah let's get to how this shakes out yeah we're gonna get a big climactic fight scene and it's because you know harry's tied up for them to do this ritual on him and hermione's around too and it turns out that Draco was a double agent and Quinn was a triple agent. Yes. And so, you know, yeah. I, I, I just like the concept of triple agents and I like it when it's actually deployed <laughs> in, in a story. Like, I think if you reach story. triple agent, you just, you just stop counting numerically. <laughs> right. But right. also can I say that I feel like the author saying Draco looking like a total badass was a big <laughs> tip off that they were going to have him end up being a good guy. I feel like if they just left out that one ridiculous line, we might have been like, okay, you know, he's evil. But... Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe that's what they were going for, though. I don't know. The point is, Draco, like, you know, slips Harry his wand and doesn't really secure his bonds. And, like, at an opportune time, he busts out and we start a big old fight scene. And sorry, yeah, I think you're supposed too. to be surprised by Draco's turn. Mm. Yeah. I wasn't because the author was so clearly in love with him. <laughs> and also in love with, like, Harry and Hermione, so it was like, there's no way they're not on the same side. Like, in this. And it's also been mentioned earlier that Sari's cover has been blown pretty early on somehow. Yeah. So this oh, yeah. this fight is Harry and Hermione and Draco and Quinn and Sari against Allegra and a bunch of mooks. And, I mean, you know, it, it seems like the odds are against them, but Draco is a total badass. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually kind of cool. I mean, it's a throwback to in the first part where Harry thinks that Draco's dead and says, well, you know, I never liked him in school, but I wouldn't wish that on him. And it's like, it's a good way to establish that he's a grown up now and he's his own man. Well, he's I, broken right. free of his father's thumb, which is cool. I was also being sarcastic there, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, we find out Fair later <laughs> that, that Draco has been a deep cover agent for the bad guys for a long time and has been extremely competent in, in their job. Yeah, he's very convincing because he did not start out a double agent. He started out on their yeah. side and only had moral qualms later on. He's got a whole little backstory. It's fine. Um, Wait, which they kind of just show you at some point. Yeah. Uh, tell yeah. you. They, they tell, not show. But yes. That's, that's it, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Because that's all like in the falling action. Right now in the fight scene, yeah. what ends up being super important? Um well, for one thing... It's a very confusing fight scene. <laughs> it goes on for a while. It turns out... Harry... He, I, I forget exactly when this comes out, but Harry's a super wizard again. And here's the thing about it, is that 
Harry is a special kind of super wizard. Where, like, basically he can chant right. magic out using a wand, and he's also more powerful than other wizards. And at that point, I was like, wait, that, that's exactly what he and Draco were in Draco Dormians, right? That was exactly the power set. Mm-hmm. It's the, I mean, the authors were part of kind of the same uh, social fanfic writing circle on early Harry Potter fandom, but it just got like me. Like you said, this author literally put him in leather pants, so there must have been something <laughs> going on there. Well, the, the term Draco in leather, leather pants would have post-dated this, but whatever. It's just, mm. it's just really funny to see two authors in completely separate series doing basically the same concept, and it got me thinking that I'm sure fanfic authors wanted a reason why Voldemort attacking a baby was his undoing. And, right. you know, in, in this fanfic, you know, Hermione, later on in discussion with Harry, has to be like, oh, but I thought it was like a protection, you know, the love of your mother that, you know, that saved you or turned back Voldemort's thing. And he's like, <laughs> look, a lot of loved ones got murdered by Voldemort in front of them. Like, it's like, Hermione, that's mm-hmm. stupid. A lot of people died. <laughs> right. And I was like, yes, that's well, very fair. <laughs> yeah, you, like, you, you think like my mom was the only one that loved people no everybody does that right, it can't have just yeah. been that and so it, it was got, that brought up in this fanfic because i actually yeah. thought that was a really excellent point i was like yeah yeah they mentioned yeah, it when like, they were justifying no the um, their super one magic mother stuff loved one baby more than another mother loved a baby you know like i mean you know what i mean yeah no yeah. so i understand the fanfic author reason like you want they would want harry to be special in some way that justifies that and you know rowling had to do that too and it makes me kind of appreciate the way rowling did it where it's not that harry was innately special it's that voldemort was doing a thing that voldemort has done several times kind of like making a horcrux and it went wrong and harry is a horcrux and like it, it i kind of like that that specialness being on the circumstance rather than being on harry you're just naturally super awesome Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, Voldemort accidentally made Harry a Horcrux, which was okay, right. part of what happened. Yeah, but anyway, right. uh, so that still doesn't really explain it. But anyway, in this fight, yeah, it really just means that Harry gets to sense. fly for a while, <laughs> and like, it's, it's cool, I guess. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Super Mage is one of the most boring things you can do in a Harry Potter's Potter story, I think. Um, I, I mean, mean, like, if if you're Shifting the whole genre into um, like Shonen Jump thing, then okay, I, I can understand that. But the point of Harry Potter the series wasn't insane power progression, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I can see two reasons for doing it. The first is what Amato said is trying to make sense of mm-hmm. that whole narrative, and the second one is trying to make Harry like in some way a more compelling character, because like but, not that yeah. he's not interesting he's still reads as a person it's just he doesn't give a lot to the the harry potter stories i mean i'm sorry to say that because i I know they're well-loved stories but (laughs) i feel like some of the other characters have a lot more personality um his personality is as a survivor trying to make his way in the world and that's fine but he should definitely have more depth than that and i feel like i think you know i I think it's like part of the uh, blank slate protagonist thing where you're supposed to like project mm-hmm. yourself into the role and want to live in the world sort of thing right which is okay um, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that but I see why people are trying to fill the gap 
Well, it's a it's Neo in the first Matrix movie, and what they did is try to turn him into Neo in the second two Matrix movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's a good goal. It's not. It's not. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, the fight scene. Um. Some things Wait, happen. Wait, was, was Drago in the in, in the second Matrix movie? Him and his twin with the braids. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wait, the actor? Really? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, oh, okay. Just jokes. They had, they had uh, albino twins with braids. Oh, the... yeah, okay. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Well done. <laughs> the, the braids, yeah. The... Yeah. Um, anyway, what was I saying? I was saying fight scene, blah, 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 a lot of fighting happens. The, the main thing is, like, what they need to use is MacGuffin spell that was, like, delivered to Harry and Hermione, where, like, it takes two wizards do it with a strong connection and some form of oppositeness and whatever and like it'll yeah it'll temporarily <laughs> bind everybody's magic around them um for and some of course, time the opposites that occur harry and they have to be connected harry hermione are like we're deeply connected and we're opposites because we're a man and a woman mm. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious I mean, okay, go for tropes. The the only thing I I appreciated about that was that in the discussion there, it's not that like oh it has to be a man and a woman because they're opposites. It was just like you have to have some kind of oppositeness, like young or old or whatever. It, it's, right. it's more like convince the but... DM that like you're that this makes sense. <laughs> sure, sure. You can stretch in a poetic sense or something. Whatever. They right. only mentioned it briefly. It's just it spoke to the tone of this fic, which is that sort of man-woman oppositeness of romanticism that's sort of misogynistic that I was like, yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, this fight is, fight is also confusing because it has like two or three different stopping points but it keeps going. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. At one point it descends into a duel between Harry and Allegra with swords and I was like, this seems unnecessary. I mean... So if I if I remember right, then yeah. they have the initial fight where they're fighting, then they're trapped, and then... They do the spell and depower everybody. Mm-hmm. Then Allegra gets a sword and stabs Harry. So Harry's like, no, I have to do this alone and fight sword fights Allegra. You'd think you could want her at that point, but okay. No, after the sword fight, then they, then they do the to- together spell with the depower people. Oh, right? is that right? I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. I don't even know. I just read this. <laughs> well, I'm glad to know I'll- that not having read it in a while doesn't make a difference in my comprehension. <laughs> All those things happen in the fight at some point. I, I don't know when sequentially. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's safe to say that it's a crazy power fight because there's a couple different spells that are trying to happen. The one is depowering people. The other one is the changeover spell. There's a, there's a lot of magic that's happening. And I actually like the magic that's been explained. It's just, yeah, it's very heavy in the we're trying to do crazy spells area. I don't know if the spells got too crazy. It was, I mean, it was a lot of stunning, like usual well, well but having the ultimate, to do ultimate having the ultimate power spells. spell of depowering other wizards is kind of crazy. And the result of that being like then they start attacking with the sword. Why don't you just blast them with your wand at that point? Yeah, for well, sure. Why sword fight? Yeah. And then at the end of the but end that's action though. That's an action movie thing. I actually thought like that fell in within the genre. Anyway, go on. Sorry, Amada. 
Um, at the end, <sighs> the end, Allegra tries to travel back towards time, and they're like, "Oh no!" Because she'll like well, because like then the fight stops again, where the all the agents come in and like everything's safe, but no one's been watching Allegra, and then Allegra starts doing their time travel magic, which has been mentioned a couple times. I'm not clear mm-hmm. how she got her s- magic another back that quick, spell. but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, another crazy spell. Yeah, but the time travel magic is a type of glamour, so Hermione uses the anti-glamour glasses in... For some reason. But I didn't get it because, like, it lets her see Allegra clearly in the middle of this energy. And everyone's, but everyone's like, oh Mm -hmm. no, if you disrupt it, it's dangerous. And, like, the glasses Mm -hmm. don't help her disrupt it or make it less dangerous. It's like, you could, she could still have just thrown herself in there and grabbed Allegra, which is all she really tries to do. But... I mean, whatever. It gives Hermione a moment, and I feel like structurally this story had to give Hermione the last heroic moment, because her- Hermione's the mainest character. And, you know, Harry's got yeah. to do a bunch of cool stuff, but like, it's, it's got to come down to Hermione in order for her story arc to be completed in this spy thriller, right? Right. It's like, I read the paragraph, but I still don't understand what happened in it. It seems like basically she just kind of reaches in, grabs Allegra a bit, gets thrown out, and she disrupted Allegra's spell, and so Allegra gets thrown through time. And because like split across the time stream or something. Yeah, that's what they say. Um, And that's good because she's gone. And Mm -hmm. she after that, it's a whole lot of falling action, basically. A lot of falling action. It's like a whole chapter of it. Yeah, the the entire last chapter is just wrap up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The last the 15th chapter read like an epilogue to me. Yeah, yeah, well, it is, but there's also, like, you know, multiple more books in this series. Um, and so it's also setting up a lot of sequel. Uh-huh. And for one thing, you know how last time we were saying, like, we hope it's not freaking Voldemort again, actually. Like, they think that it's Voldemort, but it doesn't have to be Voldemort, right? And indeed it Amado, is not. We, we don't know. We don't know. Well, no, but we do know, because, like, Allegra makes it very clear that, that it's, it's not Voldemort. Voldemort She's time. got a master and- who is, um, just, we don't know anything about him, and they're an ominous... Big a, a master who at this point is is unidentified. It could be literally anybody. It could still be no, Voldemort. We don't know. I guess it still could be, but I feel like that was the compelling thing about this first one was that Harry assumed it was Voldemort for the whole time until like almost the last moment, and then she was like, "Hi, you thought my master was Voldemort? It's not." Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's right. what creates the compelling thing. You know, like if it turned out to be Voldemort after all, I think that'd be disappointing. But but then again, this is also a spy thriller where you can't trust one-off phrases that there has to be yeah if someone falls off a cliff they're not dead unless you see the body sort of thing fine i just feel like it would be really disappointing (laughs) if it ended up being voldemort i mean i I hate the idea i don't want it i'm just saying it's not hasn't officially been ruled out in context of the story yet i almost do like the idea of them undercutting the idea that it's voldemort and saying like no it's not voldemort and then the future book being like actually it was voldemort Uh, that that almost Mm -hmm. that almost makes it better for me well, really? I, I can see it in like the Shonen Jump sort of way, where it's a b- even bigger bad guy who found Voldemort and like ate their powers, and is now Voldemort Plus, but it's basically Voldemort. Mm. You know? Yeah. Honestly, I would just be so happy to see in Harry Potter like a different villain. Yeah, well, I think Voldemort was such a villain for so long. It'd be interesting to see like hey, there's been dark wizards, but they all ended up serving Voldemort. Like, what are the other dark powers of the universe? It can't only be one. <laughs> I think the author is going towards it is not Voldemort, because that's pretty clear in this story, at least. But, um... Agreed. Anyway, falling action. Other than that's, like, Harry-Permione relationship stuff. There's some stuff at the 
where does what's the organization Harry works with? What's it called again? The International IEE or something? Yeah, um, there's some stuff there. I, you get to MI six. Okay, sure, sure. <laughs> no, it's the it's the it's Interpol. It's right. Wizard Interpol. Wizard Interpol. Oh, right, right. There's some stuff at Wizard Interpol. Like he gets a new second command who he hates, but it doesn't mean anything to me. And like. But uh, they just they just have this thing in the last chapter with the falling action where they just slide in a buddy cop movie. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Some like uh, ignoring the sarcasm. Harry planted his hands on the on her desk and leaned over to it and stared into her into her eyes. Listen to me. I cannot work with Napoleon Jones. <laughs> See, it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's completely buddy cop movie. Napoleon that Jones. Uh, that's such a. Such a character name. <laughs> right. Maybe that was their attempt at genre transition. They were like, we did spy film this one. We're going to do buddy cop in the next one or something. Yeah. Maybe so. And the wizard Interpol's divinatory magic recruits Hermione as an agent. So that comes full circle, too, about her dissatisfaction with her job and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Hermione and Harry get engaged, and that's a big thing in the story. They get engaged at their, um, not a reunion, but pretty much reunion. It's this, basically thing. a school reunion, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know. Is that about it? That's about it. Oh, and then we get, like, some extremely post-credit sequence sequel bait thing where it's like, well, okay, the, the, the mysterious master sends Harry an ominous note being like, we shall meet and you shall learn my deal and all that kind of stuff. But then also, like, right. <laughs> the post-credit stinger is Allegra being pulled out of the time stream by, like, some flunkies or whatever. And I, every, every like, chapter break, in the, or, or, like, just line break in this last chapter, I was expecting that, that stinger to happen. Yeah. I was jumping so many times, but so much, so much other stuff happened. It was, it was uh, in my, according to my e- e-reader, a 50-page long chapter Yeesh. of just falling in action. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I kind of would have hoped... I remember much from it. <laughs> I would have hoped that she'd stayed out of things a little bit longer than that, but I mean, whatever. Um, it works. And I don't know anything else we want to talk about in the story. Yeah, I want to workshop the buddy cop movie with Napoleon Jones. So Harry Potter <laughs> is the uh, is the young upstart genius who's been rising through the ranks, right? Yes, and Napoleon correct. Jones is this loose cannon, right? right. <laughs> oh, so Harry's the good cop. I think that's done. That's yeah, the yeah. workshop. You're done. <laughs> like get this they don't like each other but then after like two-thirds through the movie okay follow me they like each other mm-hmm. yeah and right? they're totally fucking gay for each other that's Just fine yeah 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 sure story <laughs> by the way all buddy cop movies are based on two gentlemen in verona because everything is shakespeare bam mic drop but i'm not actually gonna drop it because that would make a bad noise Thank yeah, you. Please, please don't. Yeah, we're trying to. Yeah. yeah also, they why, dropped why I said it. in a uh, chapter fourteen. They dropped the uh, Bond movie title of this movie, which okay. is "Evil Evil Never Dies." Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, very Bond. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like tomorrow never lives. Evil never dies. Do you think she's still alive? Die then tomorrow, Harry die. shook his head. I have no way of knowing, but I don't think she's gone for good. That would be just too easy. I've been fighting the same fight since I was 11 years old, and there's only one hard, immutable fact I've learned through, throughout all of this. What's that? Evil never dies. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun. <laughs> oh my god, next project? 
comprise the theme, the James Bond style theme song for this predictor. <laughs> Sounds cool. Yeah, uh, you're, sure. you're doing that, right? I uh, yeah. Some kind of like <laughs> James Bond theme, Harry Potter movie theme mashup would be actually pretty boss. I'm into that, but I I mean I I can play the violin a little <laughs> bit, but I'm gonna have to get more strings in on this. Yeah, yeah. A couple more yeah. strings. I mean, better strings. Like my <laughs> strings are mostly the plucking kind. Violin like maybe a- was yeah, <laughs> abandoned around the eighth grade. Yeah, much more strings, like maybe five or six strings per instrument or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like at least six instruments. So we're looking at a lot of strings there. <laughs> right. Okay. Did we mention that they that they end up getting engaged? Yeah, we said that. Yeah. Okay. It's a I thing. feel like that was the main point of the last chapter was to like wrap up all the relationship stuff, but I guess there was some stuff I forgot to. So. No, I mean, did they get to talk with? Yeah, they debrief. They talk with with Draco. You learn his deal a little bit. It's fine. Um, we find out mm-hmm. that uh, Sirius has been starting a family. Yep. Um, I oh, like. Yeah. I like that he. By the way has a, you know, muggle wife who we've never heard of before because sometimes the Harry Potter world mm-hmm. feels a little bit too small. Like, Arthur Weasley's the Minister of Magic? Um, no. No. <laughs> like, he was not There's a career politician that. in that way. He was a career bureaucrat. Like, he wasn't gonna That's be true. the Minister of Magic, you know? To be fair, though, I would like a world in which he was the Minister of Magic a lot more than, like, you know... I feel like that's some idealism on author's part. It's kind of cute. Right. It's kind of sure. cute, sure. But yeah, no, it's, it's not realistic. I hear and you. it's fine since like, they spend like a sentence on it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. But that's also kind of Harry Potter's. It's an insular world. So. Mm-hmm. So that's Paradigm of Uncertainty. We read all of it and talked about <laughs> all of it. We did it. Yeah. Um, That's our job, right? We are, we, we, now, now, can we get our paychecks? Um, uh, I just want to talk more about Draco's braids. <sighs> okay, what about Draco's okay. braids? <laughs> I, I need to brace myself emotionally for this. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll pay you extra for every minute you talk about Draco's braids. I didn't like that um, Draco and Harry was st- still snippy to each other. That I, That wasn't fun for me. I mean, I, the, I guess that rings true, but it just wasn't fun. Well, okay. One well, of the things here is that weird. he did sexually assault Terry's fiance, and she seems to get over it. Or not get over it. She seems to be less actively angry about it than he is. But Harry brings it up, and yeah. Draco's like, "Yeah, I'm really, really sorry about that. That was fucked up. It's just that, like, that's what Allegra wanted me to do, and I was deep, deep, deep right. undercover." I mean, this, yeah, this is actually one of the more complicated plots, uh, subplots is that whole thing because it's like Hermione is super super angry especially when she realizes it's Draco and for very legitimate reason and we spoke about this before as I felt like her feelings were like just legitimized and treated well but the fact that she realizes it was like quote unquote for like this greater purpose and then forgives him felt wrong to me it's like there's still a lot to process there I actually think Harry's attitude is more correct yeah. But at the same time, yeah, if he's just snippy because of their uh, school moments, like, he already established earlier on that he wouldn't feel that way. So uh, I guess if you assume that's the reason, it makes more sense. Well, it's it's an explicitly stated reason for him to be upset with Draco, at least. I mean... Totally. 
Yeah. Well, the, the last thing they say about it is, um, good. He made Dra- Draco's steady gaze. We may never be friends, Draco. Hermione may be able to forgive you for having an intimate relationship with her under false pretenses, but I'm, I'm not sure I can. You can do whatever you want to me, and I won't hold it against you, but you've hurt the woman I love, and that's not something I can easily forgive. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I understand. I, I get yeah. that. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I just What yeah. I don't like about it in the context of the story is it makes Harry, like, the hero for his woman, basically, you know. Yeah, I, I don't like Harry having the last word about about it. Yeah, yeah or that her anger isn't really given voice to right, Draco. That she forgives him right away because she didn't forgive him, and and the fact that he was happened to be on their side shouldn't make him her forgive him. Yeah, and the other thing is that like Harry, even though Hermione was the primary perspective of this story, Harry's voice seems to be given more precedence in a very strange way, and I don't, I, I really don't like how it all wraps up with you know like the heterosexuality of it all and i don't mean (laughs) that in a negative way about heterosexuality i mean it in the way that hermione's views seem to be more minimized by the end of the story right yeah i hear you she's hooking up with harry i think we have naturally drifted into things that we want to complain about in the story is there anything else that we want to complain about before we end on praise i think i've been uh, saying mine throughout the story yeah. I think I covered mine. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of the parts are kind of repetitive, like Harry dialogue. Uh, fight kind of goes on too long. But what about praise? What did we like about the fanfic? I mean, there's a lot of little things that I complained about while we were talking about it, but overall, I really enjoyed reading it. <laughs> there just wasn't yeah. a lot of chances to talk about how fun it was. <laughs> yeah, it, it is really fun. I really enjoyed the genre stuff. I feel like in the second half, in the first half, I was like, oh, this is a Harry Potter fanfic that has a lot of spy stuff going on. But then, like, in the second mm-hmm. half, I was really enjoying the fact that this is a spy story set in the Harry Potter universe. And I just really yeah, enjoyed yeah. the commitment to genre that the story ended up having um, with all these, like, little twist revelation and the, shenanigans the- and double crossing and triple crossing and, like, you know, secrets and secrets within secrets and all that kind of stuff. Like, and, you know, implausible uh, spy movie action stuff. Like, it was really cool because I feel like even though fanfics are rarely in the same tone as the original work, you don't always see them take a very specific other genre tone and apply it to the original work, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, It was really fun. I think that took work on the author's part, and it's really fun, compelling genre fic. And the other thing is that they also thought long and hard. Well, first of all, it's actually a crossover with you know something I don't I'm not familiar with, but it seems like. Sorry, Red just (laughs) ran over my mixing board. Red, don't do that. Don't do that. Walk over the mixing board. She just adjusted all my levels for me. (laughs) You nut. Okay. Uh, one second, I'll be back with you. <laughs> well, what I liked was all the little lore drops that they made, invented, and just kind of slipped into into the story where it made sense. Like when they talked about the colonial wizards and like the um, the Abbey, where they had one of the wizard revolutions there during one of England's many tumultuous historical periods. Right, and also like the deal where like um, Neville being a ministry police uh, wizard police officer was 
their their range was like a whole continent because of how few wizards there were and how big the the world was for for magic people. Yeah, absolutely. I think the author did a really good job yeah. adding little bits that made the world feel kind of lived in and cohesive and uh, like right. like you haven't yeah. seen all of it, which you know. They also had little bits that talked about um like new little bits of lore that dropped in the uh, the fourth book where they talked about how uh, where at the beginning of the story, it was obvious that this was this was a pre Orr's uh, Harry Potter thing, right? Because they, they kind of invented it and turned it into James Bond. And in chapter twelve, they mentioned Orr's uh, specifically. Uh, Hermione came to the bedroom holding this pack. Aren't Orr's part of the ID, the um, Wizard Interpol? No, we're Global Federation employees. They work for the Ministry. So it was a nice little um, justification of yeah, uh, yeah. And they met, and then talked about Moody. How Moody said that we'd be a good Aurors, and then 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 Harry said like that wasn't Moody. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like when people point that out because a lot yeah. of times people get that confused. <laughs> no, but that was a uh, David oh, Tennant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> David Tennant. Um, it kind of ties into what I was gonna say before is like, as much as I found the the genre fiction compelling, I also found it compelling how much they like developed the magic of the world um, and tried to just like incorporate a lot of different spells and how they could be used and also create new spells which is super cool to me hmm. alright well I think we can wrap that up then um, our first yeah. three person group call in a while We now that we know <laughs> we can do this we might be trying to do it a little bit more often go back to a sense of normalcy mm-hmm. in these uncertain times. I do, however, have to say that in these uncertain times, I'm rarely certain what we'll be reading next time. We're going to be feeling things out a little bit. We might even, we were talking about outsourcing, finding a fanfic to someone other than me. <laughs> we might do that, yes. Yeah. We'll see how that <laughs> develops. Not that we don't trust you to find fanfics of a specific show, but... <laughs> <laughs> we know we can trust you for that, but yeah. we'll, uh, there's one particular thing, you know. <laughs> right. So, watch this space. Yeah, we'll be holding it close to our chest. There might be some double or triple crosses, and or secrets within <laughs> secrets about what fanfics we're doing, but it'll all come out into the open in the end. As for this, this was episode 83 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Paradigm of Uncertainty by Lori, or Mad Lori, as she goes by on the internet these days. You can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfrpou. The intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic, Facebook at retrofanfic, Reddit at fanficretrospective. We've got our Instagram, which is retrofanfic, and where we are now posting all of the um, episode art that Tori draws every week. Yeah, mm. funny story. Like We had the Instagram for a bit, but we didn't know what to do about it, but... One time I was talking to somebody and trying to show show them one of Tori's art, and I realized I I didn't even have them all in one place. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I realized if people wanted to see it, then then uh, Instagram is a good place for that. So I, I spent the whole afternoon 
uh, uh, tracking them all down, categorizing them, filling the descriptions, and trying nice. to keep busy d- during quarantine. <laughs> yeah, well, people get to see my evolution of, I mean, understanding how to use digital art. It's been a really big learning curve for me. It's almost like learning how to draw all over again. But so it's I a fun Instagram uh, account. Can appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's been I a feel, fun process. It, it feels a little bit weird because I'm watching the Instagram account. So when a, so like when something when when a picture gets a like, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I got no, that's not. I didn't actually do any of that. No, <laughs> it's not <laughs> mine. <laughs> you set it up, so you have the. Yeah, no, you're part of the process. I mean, a lot of the inspiration I get is from what we've talked about. <laughs> so on that note, yeah. if you're listening to this episode on some non-Podbean, you know, medium. Because I think on Podbean, you can just see the pictures directly when you play it. But if you're listening to it elsewhere, the picture for Paradigm of Uncertainty was Harry and Hermione dancing in a James Bond, you know, scope target, right? Right. Mm-hmm. They were swing dancing. I don't know if we ever mentioned, but they swing danced together. And that was like something we did in the previous episode. Back again. <laughs> yeah. And also, if you're not watching this on Pod, Podbean specifically, then you might not know there's episode art. So That's check true. out the Instagram for that. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep shouting it out because Tori yeah. does it. Does it for us. Even and for the episodes don't, Tori's don't not on. Don't judge me too harsh. <laughs> <laughs> Judging you too harsh would not be in the spirit of this podcast. I mean, most of it's digital. There's a couple Copic marker pieces, which is also a medium I'm learning how to use. So anyway, it's been a really great opportunity for me to experiment with new media. And I'm hoping that I'll get better and better. And to round out our internet contact information, you can send us an email, I guess, at retrofanficretrospective <laughs> at gmail.com. I mean, emails feel so, like, retro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so isn't that our audience then? Yeah, no, it is, it is. I love emails. I prefer emails. <laughs> and you, But you can also leave comments or reviews on whatever service you're listening to this podcast through. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. We're just three Earth muggles trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. If Drago and I weren't in a ship, would it be called Drom? <laughs>
that Marvel lost the rights to and can never mention again in the Marvel Universe. (laughs) But but was very important for a while in the 80s. You say that, but like like MCU is going to find a way to put it in a movie as a reference. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Occasionally people will reference the Space Knight or like Space Knights in general, but they cannot say his name. Same issue with Godzilla and the Transformers. Right. Right. (laughs) By the way, what's our poly ship name? I was wondering that. Dori, Amato, and Dom. Uh, well, I mean, Amadom is fine. Domadori. <laughs> Domadori? Okay. I just go with Tad being the first letter of all our names. Right. Or our, our personal symbols. What are those? Uh, uh, uh. Mine's definitely two dogs. <laughs> Mine's two dogs. Uh, no, wait. Uh, shit. That was yours. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, we'll think about it. We'll come back to it. <laughs> Is the model like a floppy disk? 